Hi, I'm Mickey Lowe. Hi, I'm Bishop Todd. And welcome, welcome to, to the, the C4SO, C4SO Podcast. Podcast. Mickey, hey. Hey, Bishop Todd, how are you? Good. You have a repeat guest today. I'm a little jealous. I don't I do. think I've ever been a guest <laughs> twice on a podcast, well, but you've got a repeat guest today. I do, although uh, unless we're not counting you, because I feel like I've interviewed you a couple <laughs> yeah. of times when we did the Valentine's Day episode, oh, and right, then yeah. again for the C4SO birthday. Yeah, oh, so, yes, okay. you know, other than you. All right, Bishop I won't feel Brian, so bad then. Yeah, Bishop yeah. Brian is my my first repeat guest. So it's yeah. a special day for me. You're right, Mickey. And, and Brian's been special to all of us. I mean, not everybody yes. knows him really well. Uh, but today, hopefully our listeners will get to know him a bit better. We get the chance to pick his brain a little bit about what's going on in his life and uh, the wisdom that he can share with us. So we are looking forward to the work ahead for Bishop Brian, and we are so excited to share today's conversation with our listeners. Well, Bishop Brian, it is so good to have you with us today. I believe you are my first uh, repeat guest. So it is such a joy to have you. And we're so grateful to get to check in with you and get a chance to talk to you today. Thank you, Mickey. Appreciate you having me back. Yes. So Bishop Todd and I just wanted to chit chat with you and really let our listeners know and let them in on kind of what's been happening behind the scenes since your um, consecration. How have things been going? How are how are things in general? How's the transitions going? And maybe what is something that surprised you so far about the process? Mm, that's a great question. It was uh, funny. The other day I was in Seattle and they noted it as my one month anniversary to the consecration. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, did someone take you to lunch? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I took someone else to lunch. But um, <laughs> but it was like only a month. It feels a lot longer. <laughs> oh, man. I'm so sorry, Brian. I should have warned you. <laughs> oh, and, it's, and it's not because it's not been actually it's been really fun to do the work. Uh, of being a bishop mm-hmm. and to be with the people. Um, I've done two confirmations and one ordination and, um, and it's been really fun. I've it, enjoyed it. It feels natural to be with leaders in God's church. It feels like the issues that people are dealing with and the kind of things that Bishop Todd and I are going to get to deal with are sort of like, this is what I have been prepared to do, which has been real encouraging. I will say, though, that the time between the consecration and the 1st of October was intended to be some time off. And all of that got eaten by <clears throat> by taking care of my mom, who's not very well. And that has just been something just in the middle of the process. But becoming a bishop or doing the work of a bishop has been really fun. We have sharp leaders in our diocese yeah, really and it's just been really fun to get to know people and get mm. around them and see the work of God in their lives, in their congregations and um, diverse, but incredible stuff to see. Yeah. How awesome. Well, we'll, we'll certainly be lifting up your mom in prayer, Thank of you. course, Bishop Brian. So, so in this process, you know, since you've been um, consecrated to your role, what, 
what is maybe something you've learned about yourself? That's really interesting. You know, I, I'm 61 tomorrow and I've been walking ah, with Jesus since I was 16. Birthday. Thank you. Um, you know, I've, you know, maturing has been learning about becoming a student of yourself. Mm. And so I, there's not, I can't say I've learned something new about myself, but it's been interesting to pay attention to, um, the self I know myself to be and how I respond to things. Um, a, a friend of mine, Marilyn Stewart used, used to say that maturity isn't never sinning. It's just noticing it faster. Mm. And so Very I've been nice. paying attention to like, Oh, there's some old, some old me that gets inflamed by new circumstance. Yeah. So this uh, earlier today, uh, an old friend, someone I've known for 25, 30 years, but has was in my university staff team, has been in local churches. I've done some ministry around them, called and said, hey, can I, can I get together? I really need, and we need a place where we can talk privately. And I'm like, oh, they're really angry with me. They must be upset with me. And it had nothing to do with that, right? It had to do mm-hmm. with, like, they invited me into their relationship with their spouse. Yeah. And, um, it was just a real sweet time, but I'm paying attention to the fact that these mm. new situations can inflame mm. old mm-hmm. insecurities yeah. or old, old fears about adequacy or yeah. uh, all those kind of things. Yeah. So I'm just trying to be attentive to it, pay attention to it and have compassion on myself and recognize that the newness is going to inflame some of those weaknesses that I have of mm. that I need to just attend to. We all need to attend to those things. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Brian, naps are a part of being a bishop. (laughs) Praise (laughs) the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) You know, I also hear you saying, though, um, as your friend said, wisdom is noticing things sooner. But I also hear you saying that um, taking steps to amendment of life Mm -hmm. is clearer and sooner as well. Yeah. That's right. You know, so um, learning how to do an Episcopal visit where I can have participation with my frailty and participation with my limited capacity, because I'm a human being, right? And so how do I do that and recognize, hey, I probably need an hour in the day just to veg. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, I, I'm an extrovert, so every minute of what we did was really fun. And it was yeah. not a hardship yeah. at all, but I'm realizing it's also kind of a dumb way of living if I don't participate with the fact that I'm a limited person in a body yeah. that has, that will give out. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. Trying to pay it. And so amend some of those things um, and invite the spirit to kind of heal some of those places yeah. in my life that still need the, the newness of the spirit to think yeah. differently. Yeah, thank you, Brian. That's a That's great wise. model. So, Brian, let's uh, reflect for a moment on the consecration, that thing that you planned months for, <laughs> we planned months for, and then it seemed like it went by in a split second. It did, um, yes. We had a, a good amount of our people there, but not everybody got to be there. And I think you know that the consecration got really kind of rave reviews from the, I think, 17 bishops that were there. And I don't even so know if good. I told you, but Archbishop Foley sent a note to all the bishops saying, hey, you all should listen to that. Uh, three-part, three-man sermon. So it's gotten <laughs> yeah, lots, of, awesome. lots of good reviews, and I think mm-hmm. people can watch it online. But tell us just a bit of your personal experience of the consecration. 
Oh, that's a great question. Um, so it is, I told Bishop Dot at one point, I've spent more time on one hour and a half moment of my life than I have any other hour and a half moment. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, I'm yeah. glad I did. I, I was, I felt like taking that seriously was not only a way of loving our diocese well, but of also trying to love our province well. Yeah. But I recognized the Friday before the consecration, I had lunch with my dearest friends, the guys who preached and another gentleman. Um, mm-hmm. And they asked me, Hey, what are you looking forward to? And I actually drew a complete blank. And I realized I wasn't able to identify any excitement or positive energy towards this event. Mm. And I, and I, and then I had to say, wait a minute, I think I'm carrying too much. Yeah. And that it's not my job to make everyone okay with our diocese, with me, with Bishop Todd, or, you know, it was like, it's just me to be. And so the Lord kind of met me really right away. And I was Mm. able to just kind of put all that down. I'm glad we did the work and thought through what we were trying to do. Yeah, but I was really glad I got it to put it down and just be present. And so it was really fun to be present at the, on the day of the consecration. And yeah. there was a number of moments um, that were, they were emotional, but there's only one moment where I got emotional yeah. when, you know, I was, I was finally dressed and um, ready to kind of be part of it. And I could hear some music happening. So I walked into the room where the thing was and my daughter-in-law was practicing the vene. She sang the vene. Oh uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then my son sang was singing singing a song, which happened to be the the offertory, which was is a version of Saint Patrick's breastplate. And and then my wife kind of walked towards me, and I lost it for a second uh, because yeah. both of those praying for the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. offering my life um, was a really special moment. That was. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then the rest of the time I was, it was emotional. It was a, it was, I was present to what was happening, but it was, it wasn't a teary emotion. It was like, yeah. wow, the Lord's present. Um, if I have the right to be proud of my friends who preached, I am so proud of them. Yeah. It was like, it was one of the best sermons I've ever heard, let alone yeah. my, consecration, <laughs> my consecration and three yeah. people doing, I, I burdened them. I asked them to do this, which <laughs> how hard is it to weave one sermon between three people? And yeah. they did an amazing they, job. They, they just, really did. They really did. It was like it was Hollywood produced or something. <laughs> it was incredible. I'm just, so and um, so I think about it, I've, I've listened to it uh, again and um as Archbishop Foley said, it was just a great exploration of what it means to be a bishop. Yeah. And they know me. It's a great exploration of what it's going to mean for me to be a bishop. It was really fun to be with the other bishops who were able to attend and develop some relationship with them. Yeah. I really feel great. really honored that they would, A, come to be part of what C4SO is about. Yeah, I agree. It was very honoring. And honored for me personally, but really, I it was really about C4. So they're entering into our space and to our, to be part of what it means for Bishop Todd to be our ordinary and for us as a community to be people of the kingdom. And I just felt like they honored us well, but they entered in, they celebrated in a way that was very C4. So, and I I was really encouraged by that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a beautiful service all around, just an awesome event. And the party the night before too was a, was a really big hit. So I got to say, that was a great party. Yeah, Trinity knows how to throw a party. 
Yeah, really and sh- you mentioned Trinity. Shout out to Trinity. They hit it yeah, out of sure. the park at they every really moment. Did. I mean, they their did. entire team just any sniff of a desire was met as a joyful invitation yeah. that I just, you know, I just feel like Chris and Nate and their whole team mm-hmm. set a tone for what it yeah. is to serve a community and to be a loving, joyful presence in the midst of caring for others. And mm-hmm. just thanks to Trinity and for their yeah, incredible leadership and their servant. Her. Yeah. Well, Bishop Brian, tell us more about your first couple of visitations. They were back-to-back weekends, which is really fun to do. And I was really excited to get to do a number of confirmations. I think 17 in the first church and 13 in the second. Wow. And it's been really um, fun to do that as me. Uh, I, and I felt like the Bishop Todd actually was coaching me. I called him up and said, Hey, how do I do this? What, you know, what's your best (laughs) advice? And you did encourage me just to be myself. You encouraged me to just be in the presence of the spirit. And so I, I kind of took that, um, on face value and it was, it's been really fun for me after doing the prayers to receive people into the church and then to uh, anoint them with oil, to pray in the spirit for each person. Yeah. Um, a, just as a way of just praying for these new people who are part of our communion. Um, and it's been exciting to see how God has met some folks in that moment mm. and realizing, um, and by the way, I have as a, as, as a person, as a bishop, no sense that I have anything to do with that. It's just right. been yeah. inflamed my faith uh-huh. to see that God loves our people so much yeah. that it would, he'd use someone as small and broken as me to actually speak the truth of God's spirit and heart for them mm. over them. Um, so that's just been really fun yeah, to see God lovely. at, God at yeah. work in the lives of our people and caring and loving them so much. I, and I get to be in the middle of it. I get to be present to that. So Brian, let's, let's give our C4SO audience uh, a feeling of your current thoughts and priorities uh, for the future. What are some of your near term next steps in your work? Well, the most important thing I can do right now is learn. So I'm learning a lot from Bishop Todd. He's adding a lot of moments and hours to his weeks to coach me and to kind of spend some time with me, which has been really great. I have, I have a ton to learn about our diocese, about how things work, um, all that kind of stuff. So I'm giving myself primarily a learning now, but there's some other things that we've been already working on. Um, the the first beta cohort of an Anglican formation cohort will be launching in late January. And it's really for folks deciding, am I an Anglican as they consider our community, as they consider ordination? It's a four-course track that people can do either right, right in a row or take some time in between. An opportunity to do it in community and with the mentorship and facilitation of some of our older you know, more experienced clergy. It's it's really fun to answer the questions. What is our heritage and theolog of you know theology and history? What is our liturgical and spirit you know sacramental life look like? What is our spiritually formed life look? What is our ecclesiology in a unique way in C four so that's been really fun. But we're also uh, right away working on what we're calling uh, a a college of wardens, just an opportunity to develop a relationship with all of the people who are on the ground loving the, their churches as lay people. Um, 
if Bishop Todd and I have to get involved in a church, we're going to have to be relating to the vestries and the wardens off. And so it'd be nice to have some relationship with them. And not only that, an opportunity for us to care for them, train them a little bit, and hopefully create some common ground. What does it mean to care for our clergy as vestries? Hmm. Does Do all of our churches have a sabbatical policy? Are all of them thinking through how to pay folks well? Um, how do we think about our bylaws together? And, you know, instead of someone having to Google bylaws, we can actually learn from each other and create a learning community of vestries and wardens. Uh, so we're going to do that. We're also hoping to create a, a college of deacons. You know, we have, I think, 27 vocational deacons. And what does it mean for us to learn from them and encourage them, inspire them? Uh, have our new deacons learn from them, even if they're transitional deacons. Um, so those are some of the things that we're doing. Bishop Todd um, has had a renewed vision for church planting and kind of growth. And so we're lean, leaning into what is it going to take to create systems and structures that are not only can we be healthy at our current size, where people can be cared for, where we can do business in a really healthy way, but how can we create something that is a foundation that we can grow on? And mm-hmm. so I've been thinking a lot about that. So, C4SO podcast listeners, we want to hear from you. As we plan for 2024, we want to know if there's anybody that you would like to hear featured on the podcast. Bishop Todd and Mickey are always up for a good conversation. So feel free to shoot us an email at admin at c4so.org and let us know who you have in mind. We'll do our best to accommodate the request and look forward to putting out new great content in 2024. Thank you. Bishop Brian, we'd love to get your thoughts on what long-term sustainability in ministry looks like. And this can be, you know, things that you've learned that you're helping apply right now in your own calling. But, you know, those of us, too, who are serving in local churches, you know, and with your experience, too, with clergy through, you know, your, your fuller formation groups, you've seen a lot of clergy over the years. What are some of the keys to long-term sustainability? You know, this is going to sound really elementary, but literally I get to spend time with leaders all over the planet. Our four formation groups are on five continents and two languages. Yeah, I've done 40 years of really leading people and no one makes it long-term in ministry who doesn't learn how to be transparent in relationships, mm. not transparent in all relationships but they need a few people with whom they can tell the whole truth. In my research and for my doctorate, we called it a regular group, that we all need a community where we stop being a professional and we can tell the whole truth. Truths like, I don't like my kids right now, like my marriage is struggling, or I feel like I'm doing what I'm made to do. So we can tell the whole breadth of truth from things we're hurting in, ashamed of, to things that we're joyful in, One of the things that the scripture kind of walk in the light as he is in the light. It's like we need to walk in the light up to this transparency. I've this life of transparency allows us to kind of bring into the light and out of the darkness those things that will get on top of us if we keep them in the dark, like secrets, like secret sins or secret fears or secret concerns or. Things that might seem minor, like, hey, we're going through this, but it's great to bring them into light and let other people pray for them. The guys that uh, preached at my uh, consecration and another gentleman, Scott Friesen, 
we get together a couple of times a year for a couple of days just to tell the whole truth and to pray for each other. Um, and by the way, you need to know those are four men I would go to bat anywhere. They're incredible, but I know everything about their life. I know all the things they struggle with. And so we bring it into the light so it doesn't stay powerful in our life. And we, mm-hmm. we minister mm-hmm. grace to each other. And we don't take ourselves, therefore, too seriously. Mm-hmm. Because someone yeah. knows everything about me and still loves me, cares for me, celebrates me, uh, calls me to say, yes, you should go do this work at the bishop. Um, you know, so in a couple of weeks, I'm going to spend two and a half days with him again. Because it's one of the most important things I do, not just for myself, but for the people I get to serve. Mm. Because I can enter into ministry as a true self. I, I'm not being accused of hiding anything by the enemy. Mm, yeah. And I can walk in the truth of grace, the walk in the truth of mercy, walk in the truth of the power that God's already brought. One of the things that long-term friends do for me is to remind me how far I've come. Like I'm not the same person I was 15 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Hallelujah. That's so good. <laughs> so living transparently with friends is really important. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to build that. And it's one of the things. And if anybody wants to have some pointers on how to build that, I'll be glad to have a conversation or just reach out to me. But the other thing I noticed was that people who make it long term have what I call a guided life. They either have a mentor, a spiritual director, a counselor, a therapist or some combination of all three going on in their life at all times. Mm-hmm. This morning I spent an hour with my spiritual director and there was nothing big for us to talk about. There wasn't anything revelatory that came out in the conversation, but I knew that I was doing something good for my soul because I'm building a pattern of once at least every five weeks, I'm sitting with someone else and telling the truth about how my relationship with Jesus is going, the things that I might be tempted in to kind of think about myself, you know, the things I need to bring into question, like, Hey, what's God doing over here? So that that wasn't my need this morning, but I'm doing the, the boring work of inviting a guide into my life. (laughs) And most of our spiritual lives that are transformative, it's really boring kind of stay, stick to the knitting, you know, stick to the quilting. And, but sooner or later you have this beautiful thing stitch after stitch after stitch. Mm. And, but if I get in trouble, I know that I have someone I've already developed a capacity to tell the truth with. Um, And there's been times in my life I've used my, a spiritual director was also trained as a counselor. And so we kind of went back and forth between spiritual direction and some marriage and family therapy kind of stuff, mostly, Mm. you know, working on stuff from my history, my, my siblings and my, my, family of origin, how that affected me and um, really helpful to me. So I would say those two things are critical in the yeah. life of all leaders. You need friends where you can tell the truth, live transparently. Uh, and b- by the way, the way I describe it is we move the line of accountability. So we don't tell each other, oh, I messed up yesterday, but we tell each other I'm fixing to mess up. Hey, I'm mm. weak. I'm tired. I'm really nervous about this thing that's yeah. happening. I'm susceptible. Can you pray for mm. me? Yeah. So, by the way, it's hard to move the line to say I'm a, I'm weak right now. It requires that we live in the capacity to own our frailty, our limit, our limit abilities to keep our lives together, and then to seek guidance, seek mentors, seek counselors, seek spiritual directors. Yeah, that's that's so good. It sounds to me like like soul care is really important for that sort of long term uh, ability 
to to serve in ministry, it's important to have um, people speaking truth into your life. And also just having friends to have fun with too. I think like the work of ministry can be so heavy sometimes. And I know for, for me and for my husband as church planters, it's been really important to have people in our life that can be these sort of accountability, accountability partners who can be praying for us, but also who are willing to just kind of have fun and, and set aside time to just not even think about stuff anymore. So Yep. I really resonate with what you're saying. Exactly, Mickey. And in our yeah. time, we're gonna go. We're gonna go hang out on a houseboat, the five of us, and we're gonna go as deep as you can possibly go. And, <laughs> and our faces will hurt from laughing so hard. Yeah, and you <laughs> need that. You need that for three days. So, Brian, just a couple of closing questions for you here. What spiritual practice is particularly serving you well right now? Two things. One is listening prayer has been really a helpful place for me is not only for me to listen to the Lord and the spirit. And for me that, that happens as I listen to pray as you go, if you know, Mm -hmm. most mornings is an opportunity to listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying. Sometimes it's through the scripture. Sometimes it's through the song that they bring up, but very often, you know, just as I'm practicing, I'm here, I'm listening. Sometimes it's inviting other people to listen to the Lord for me. That's been really great. Mm. But the other one is retreat, is getting away. It's not only with my friends, but creating times where I silence the world and its messages that I'm not enough, which is always the message of the world, right? Um, that I'm not doing enough. I'm not, I'm not being enough. I'm not smart enough, tall enough, whatever you call it. Um, so I silence all of that and just live in the truth of the power of God. So retreat, whether it's a half day or, and sometimes even two hours, mm-hmm. but on a regular basis for yeah. me, it's about a once a quarter, a whole day just to, to kind of silence the world and be who I am with the Lord. So, yeah. yeah. I make good use of a praise you go, uh, most days too. So if you're not familiar with what that is, we'll put it in the show notes. So you can have a link to praise you go. What would be one book that you would like our clergy to read or a, a book that you would recommend our clergy to read in the next coming months? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, you know, the kind of kingdom life that Bishop Todd's been calling us to for so long requires us to think a new way about ourselves, um, to think about our identity, to think about the work of ministry in a different way not from sort of the sort of Western Anglo Mm -hmm. let's get it done kind of way, which is, I'm very like, I live in that world by the way. Uh, So now one's in the name of Jesus invites us to think about our identity in a different way and our ministry in a different way that I think is as congruent with the way Bishop Todd helps us think about kingdom life and kingdom living as any book I've ever read. Um, it was the first one that knocked me off my yeah. uh, seat and <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I don't understand. Cause I was living in a different kingdom. Yeah. I was living in the kingdom of my own power, my own kind of capacity to make things happen. And this was an invitation to let God be God. So I would say now yeah. in the name of Jesus. I know. I want to be Henry when I grow up, or Henri, I guess is the way you really say <laughs> yeah. it. But whenever I would read now and <laughs> exactly. I would have those same thoughts like, wow, <laughs> this is like a reality that I want to taste and 
and see. So, okay, for all the C4SO clergy mm-hmm. listening to this, I know there's lots of people who aren't C4SO clergy. But how about if we all make a vow that between now and Ash Wednesday, we'll all get out our old copies. And if you don't have a copy, you need to go get one. We'll get out our old copies of In the Name of Jesus. It's very brief and read it before Ash Wednesday. How about that? That'd be great. Let's do it. Yeah. That seems like a good challenge. You in, Mickey? Yes, I'm in. Okay. You and I will go first and hope everybody else yeah. follows. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much. You are a treasure to us. And um, every time I see your face, I think of happy thoughts for the future of C4SO. It's great to have you as a colleague. Thank you. Thank you, Bishop Dodd. Thanks so much for tuning in to the C4SO podcast. If you like what you heard, please feel free to share this episode and subscribe and leave a review. It helps us to get the word out. Thanks.